Hey internet, this is Chase. Before we get started on the next podcast, I want to point out to you guys that there's been a news release since we recorded saying that Charlie Joko Guillard will be stepping in for Diamond Prox for the Unicorns of Love. Now during this podcast, when we recorded it, we did not have this information. Uh, so we're going to talk about it like it's a hypothetical. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it still is because getting Millennium to throw you a sub for one week is very different from finding a long-term solution to the problem. So we're going to keep all of that speculation in on what it means for the team in the long run and how that goes. Uh, it doesn't affect our desire to bet against them this week when we get to the gambling line section. But it is one of those things where we wanted to make sure that you guys knew, yes, we have seen that information. And yes, it does make us feel a little bit better about Unicorns of Love this week, though not much. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, enjoy the podcast. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am the editor-in-chief for Imperial Esports, and welcome to another very special edition of the Rough Drafts podcast. It is week three of the LCS. We have three interesting teams we're excited to talk to you about today, as well as a breakdown of the recent visa situation that we've had in both Europe and North America, and, of course, the gambling lines to wrap everything up. But first, I have to introduce our co-host, uh, and writer for Slingshot Esports, Walter Ciedes Fedchuk. Walter, how are you doing, man? Um, I'm doing okay. I'm uh, doing all right. I've I've been better. I've been better. Let me let me put it that way. I'm I was not, gonna not say, very happy. You're in a period of mourning now. You and I both. For the first time, we both had terrible news delivered to our teams at the exact same moment. Which I, I feel like it's it's almost like Riot is just trying to poke us with these kinds of things because they're exactly the kind of things we've brought up multiple times and there still aren't answers and and here are some of the bigger complications and of course we are talking about the recent controversy surrounding visas for both North American and European players trying to play in the LCS. Uh, In Europe that has manifested itself with both Diamond and Edward getting the boot and because of the way that Germany handles their work visas, a process that I am unfortunately all too familiar with, uh, we are not likely to see them anytime soon. Uh, meanwhile, in the North American LCS, uh, freeze, half of Team Impulse, uh, all, almost all of Echo Fox uh, are now having the exact same kind of issues. Uh, luckily, the North America's uh, work visas issue is a little bit easier to go through, but still a lot of players being caught out in this kind of way. So let's start with this, Walter. What were your immediate thoughts when you see this news story scrolling across the Reddit and Twitter sphere? Uh, get ready for the beep, because the, 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 first, the first one I saw was Diamond Prox's heartfelt, emotional Facebook post. And I read it, and I started sobbing quietly to myself, and I just kind of softly just just went <laughs> why <laughs> i'm not even lying that was my actual reaction because i was writing my european power rankings and thank you so much unicorns of love for announcing this before i actually wrote the article and was was 
you know, gushing all over the place about you, but Diamond was, was in the middle of, like, a career resurgence. Like, he was actually looking good, and it wasn't in the middle of the season like he did in spring and summer where he had a couple of good games. Like, he actually was looking like a really, really good jungler, and him and your favorite player on the Unicorns of Love, Kiss Vizichachi. Yes, his first name is actually Kiss, and it's awesome. It is awesome. That is uh, fair. They both were, were working really well together. Diamond mm-hmm. is the only pl- was the only player in Europe to have a hundred percent first blood. Every every game, all four games, he was part of first blood. Whether it was him taking the kill or the assist, and he just across the board, he was doing very well in terms of he was leading, uh, leading junglers in kills. Uh, he was at the bottom of kill participation, which was really kind of weird when you look at it. But he was dealing a bunch of damage in the early game. Like, he was just playing really, really well in the early game. And that was getting Vizichachi ahead. And other than the one sort of slip-up in, in the game against Origin, where they went top and that sort of lost in the entire game, him and Vizichachi were just looking fantastic and probably would have been considered your, your, your breakout or your comeback uh, players of, of Europe through two weeks. So it just, man, I saw that and I thought it was just going to be diamond. And then, uh, you know, remember we had all the, the drama around all these players were not able to play in North America. And it was all on teams that sort of put their rosters together right towards the end of the off season. Mm-hmm. So we had that issue even back when Bjergsen came over was that they were trying to make sure they timed the players having to go back like so they would be back in North America for playoffs and that happened with Dexter and it happened with with Bjergsen and mm-hmm. lost you know all all these players so we've had to deal with it before and the North American ones wasn't so much but then there was a tweet that was on Monday from Betsy that also mentioned Edward mm-hmm. and no one had said anything about Edward being banned, so we thought it was just Diamond had signed too late with Unicorns and hadn't done it, and he's Russian. But apparently, because of the way German work law works, they don't really classify esports athletes as real athletes, and they don't know how to classify them in terms of what visa to give them. And it's this real wishy-washy scenario where both these players are outside of what's called the, the Shenzhen zone. Mm-hmm. Uh which allows basically free movement between all the companies there between all the people of countries that have signed this agreement and Armenia and Russia are not on that list. So (laughs) Edward is also gone, which he's been playing okay, but he hasn't been playing as well as Edward, uh, as well as diamond prox, Mm -hmm. but he definitely was doing better than he did last year. So I'm, I'm just really, really sad. Yeah. I mean, from a gameplay standpoint, it's hard to look at, any of what happened and call it anything other than disappointing. You know, from a behind-the-scenes perspective, in case you guys are curious, I actually – the reason I'm still in North America is because I have had to deal with the German visa process. And I can tell you firsthand, they don't have anything for esports. One of the reasons that I'm still here is because when I tried to submit my first draft of the visa application, the only thing they could list me as was a journalist, and they didn't want any more journalists. Now – I could explain to them in person that an esports journalist is different than a journalist and I need to have you know X, Y, and Z skills uh, that no one else can provide and that's why they should allow me to be in their country. But until I see them in person, there was literally no box I had or any room to explain that. And I was told flat out, 
uh, your application will be denied if you go about it this way. And so I can empathize very strongly with what Edward and uh, and Diamond are having to deal with now, trying to figure out these Schengen requirements. And unfortunately, Russia and Germany are not on great terms right now. So coming to a head on this and, and finding some sort of workaround is probably going to be pretty complicated. I, I I think there's a bigger question, though, that that has to be addressed. And it's one that we saw Thorin take on a little bit, so I'm not going to get into all of the details. But Walter, it, it's kind of hard to come away from all this and, and feel like at the very least Riot could have helped prepare some of these teams and made sure that you know the impact wasn't as great or, or helped facilitate some of the kind of rulings or, or laws as far as you know reaching out to you know these kinds of governments and, and trying to make this a more legitimized thing that doesn't have these kinds of issues. Walter, at the end of the day, where do you land on Riot's involvement in all this, what they should or should not have been doing throughout this entire process? So Riot apparently has, in their agreement with the teams, has established that all your players need to be work-eligible in the country in which they're playing, which means technically they need to have a work visa. In the past, they've either ignored this, they've either not had this sort of rule, they've either brushed it under the rug because they didn't care, but with their legitimization of esports, and yes, that is in air quotes, <laughs> they're now putting the the hammer down on this issue, which, to be frank, they should have been doing from the very beginning, because if a, if someone doesn't have a visa and they're working in a country, that can greatly impact them legally any ability to come back to that country. When the entire when Dexter was stopped by customs and was, you know, thrown in a jail cell essentially because he told them, Oh yeah, I'm going to work instead of visiting when he was on a tourist visa, mm-hmm. that can literally you are you can be banned from the country forever. Yeah. You can literally be banned from the United States if you're caught on a, a tourist visa and instead you're working and you're staying longer than you should or whatever, like that can have huge implications on you in the future. So they should have been doing this from the very beginning, but they didn't because they didn't have the infrastructure. They didn't have the money, which if you're going to say the money, that's absolute. Here comes the beep bullshit because it was also announced today uh, by CNBC. Uh, yeah. CNBC.com that League of Legends raked in a record $1.62 billion in microtransactions in 2015. With a B, billion. The billion. $1.62 billion in microtransactions. Which, the optimists in me, and the way that they've been pointing to summer where they're making all these uh, all these changes to the to the splits, uh, to the summer split in terms of, you know, playing best of threes or best of twos, having all these different kind of agreements, making the challenger scene, making sure that there's easy ways to loan players or move players around between the two teams makes me look to the point as an optimist that they're building this infrastructure and they're putting it in place for summer, which doesn't help now. It doesn't help Edward and Diamond and Froggen and all these other players today. So if we don't see these types of things in summer, it's a huge disappointment because they're ma- they're raking to to steal the exact word from CNBC. They're raking the money in, mm-hmm. and to continue to say, "Oh, but we're operating the LCS at a loss," and not have these sort of 
systems in place, which will probably come with quote with franchising, which guess what, people? It's coming. Yeah. Don't worry about that. But if those things aren't in place when franchising occurs, I you can't trust you can't trust Riot to run their own league anymore. Oh, and by the way, uh, all this stuff that we're talking about as far as visa issues and figuring out how to make sure esports athletes are able to come into Germany on a regular basis and have the system that Riot wants for this whole thing, uh, I got some news for you. That's not getting done by summer. That's the kind of process that takes months, if not years, to really get a government to buy into and believe that it is worth making sacrifices on their end to make sure that they can make your lives as easy as possible. They're, if they haven't done it now, if they're not secretly working on this behind the scenes, they're in a lot of trouble. And to me, it really does feel more like they just turned a blind eye to this and said, oh, it's the team's responsibility. And until they were called out and they realized that there was some actual liability on their end, they didn't do anything. And it's, it's hard for me to imagine that this is the first time anyone has tried this. This is the first time we've ever seen uh, you know, visa issues on this kind of scale because teams have finally been called out for it. I really, really doubt that this is the first time we've had this many visa issues in the leagues and they just, you know, everyone passed every other check before this, I'm sure, right? Uh, however many checks there were, which, you know, begs the question, by the way, we have like multiple week behavior checks and no one looks at the visa? That's weird to me, right? Can we, can we agree that that's a little weird? Because I can tell you when I went to school in the UK, they checked my visa every three months and I was on a student visa the last four years. Like, how do you not check when you have all of these other behavior checks you put into account? Yeah, be like the, check one. Behavior, behavior checks are more important than – yeah, it's more important that, that Forgiven can actually play because he's not cussing people out in solo queue. But, oh, man, you know, eh, work visas, eh, whatever. There's a bigger point here, which is prioritization of, of issues, right? In the same way that we always get hard on organizations like the NFL and the NBA for you know things like pretending that they care about uh, about steroid use and whatever, and then immediately kind of not doing anything about it, or you know the weird issues that they'll get hung up on that are nowhere near as relevant, like say the PSI of one football in a particularly <laughs> you know cold, you know. I mean, there's so many weird things that you can get hung up on. And with Riot, like, like I, I agree with Riot. I think behavior does matter. I think you should carry yourself like a professional. Because guess what? If you were cussing out your boss or someone else at your work office, you would get in trouble. So I don't have a problem with that as a general rule. But you know what those offices would probably do before you ever got there? Make sure you could legally be there. <laughs> Like literally the first step of anything they were doing should have been, hey, let's see your documents to make sure you're in order to work because you are working at our studio with our logo behind you and our name under our event for the league that we run and we want to make sure that you meet all the protocols. You can't you, – don't miss the forest for the trees. We can all agree that being legal to work somewhere is probably the number one concern. And it just – it boggles my mind that Riot's going to act like they care now when they've clearly had years and years to fix this and they just didn't because they don't care. And that's a shame. I, I, you know, we're, we don't get to watch uh, Edward or Diamond for maybe the rest of the European split 
we are not going to get to watch KFO or you know any of those guys over at Echo Fox Fang uh, on uh, on Impulse. You know we have to wait for Froggen to be able to play again. Like this just sucks. It sucks all around, especially because it is so avoidable if Riot actually cared about making sure the right problems were addressed to the right degree, and they just don't do that. Um, you, and that's frustrating. You know what doesn't suck, though? What? Forgiven. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Let's transition into some happier topics. Let's talk about H2K, because that is one of the three teams we have picked for this week. Uh, H2K, obviously... Uh, an up and down week for them, I suppose, and that they lost to Fnatic and beat G2. But Walter, you're already saying that it's not fair to call it an up and down week. So talk to me. What are your thoughts about this team two weeks into the season? Wait, so so, so we're really expecting H2K to go undefeated. Was, was that honestly like that? That makes it an up and down week because they lost a very close game to Fnatic. Is like no, that was a great game. That was actually one of the better games that we've seen in Europe or, or North America. It was nice back and forth. It was, it was, you know, Fnatic got that play in the mid lane early on where, where they went, they got Rift Herald and they were trying to like, H2K was trying to push the mid tower to punish them for going to get Rift Herald. And then they sort of stuttered. Like they didn't know if they wanted to finish the tower or engage onto Fnatic. And then Fnatic made the choice for them and just engaged onto them and won like a four for nothing fight. And that pushed them in the lead. So then H2K just drew back and said, okay, we're going to farm up, we're going we're gonna to play safe, we're going to make sure that we can, you know, we're going to pick our fights here and there. And then they had another fight, and then it swung back, and H2K started, you know, pummeling Fnatic and started pushing at them and doing H2K and forgiven things. And then one more team fight, and Fnatic swung it, and then they went and won the game. Like, it was a great tactical back-and-forth game between two of the best teams in Europe. The best part about it, though was that Forgiven was on the losing team, and he still doubled the damage of anyone else in that game. And then, yeah. you know, people were like, oh, oh, whatever, it's Corky. Like, Corky's a poke champion. And then, in the very next game, he played Lucian and only did, like, 1,500 damage less. He's a god. I, I don't know what else to say about him at this point, other than please, Jesus, Shiva, Mohammed, whoever... <laughs> Keep this team focused so we don't all of a sudden get pissed off Forgiven hating his teammates. That's all I ask. I want to see an entire split of Forgiven playing on top. It is so much fun to watch him play. I mean, it's one of those things where we used to, you know, people used to make jokes about his champion pool. It's like, oh, he's got Lucian, you know, and, and that's one of his, his three. Uh, you know what? I, if that's one of his three, awesome, because I've never seen... I might not have ever seen a better Lucian in the European LCS than what we – it was just mechanically perfect. He perfectly understood when to use his ultimates for wave clear, when to use it for poke damage, what his abilities were able to do as far as that wave clear so he could make that decision properly, where he needed to be on the map. There were times in that game against G2 where it felt like he was the only guy on the rift. Like nobody else on that rift mattered because he had so perfectly calculated <laughs> – exactly what he needed to dismantle his opponents that it just wasn't relevant what you were going to do because he was going to win uh and 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 to me it's led to this kind of interesting thing about h2k which is that their bot lane does seem to be so strong and they're funneling resources there but it's left oduamne and yankos with 
an interesting series of responsibilities for the rest of this team, right? Because Yankos isn't really going to gank bot lane. Ryu is a very <laughs> passive laner in his own right, and Oduamne is as well. Uh, as a general rule, though they've been trying to play him on some more aggressive champs recently, how do you think that synergy is developing, just on the top side of the map? So the one thing that I have noticed about Rocket... <laughs> That's fair. That's Look, I've made like four different flip-ups. I'm not laughing at you now. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Look, no one's noticed anything about Rocket. Let's be clear. That's not. I have noticed something about Rocket. <laughs> okay. <Woo. laughs> that was beautiful. I appreciate. Oh that. my god, you can tell I've not been like a day person recently. It's five forty-six, dude. <laughs> okay, but Alicia's been working nights, and um... no, I I understand. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm okay. giving you a hard time. Uh, we got this. Okay. We got, we got so, this. C- counting you back down in three, two, one. So, so what I've noticed about HTK is that they actually give up a lot of pressure in the early game. They give up a lot of control over early objectives. They give up a lot of control over early dragons, early towers. Uh, they've only taken the first tower twice in their in their four games and some of that has to do just with the manipulation of the wave and the manipulation of damage when you're doing that early fast push uh but they haven't gotten a single dragon in their four in their four games they haven't even start, gotten the first dragon and they actually only have 31% control over dragon and about 48% control over their jungle camps which that doesn't say a lot in terms of exactly the type of control that they're putting on the game. But then when you look at Yonkos, he's behind by about nine CS at 10 minutes in terms of his opponent. And he hasn't played against some of the weaker farming junglers like Shook yet, but he's giving up a lot of control over his farm and over the early objectives like Dragon and Rift Herald in order to move around the map to make sure that Ryu can get a you know small advantage going to make sure that there's always pressure on Forgiven's lane because... When you add the pressure that Forgiven puts in lane, and you also add another jung- uh, you add the jungle pressure, you're basically trying to force the enemy jungler to come to that lane to try and relieve pressure. Forgiven's one of the best players at manipulating his auto attacks to the point and, and his farm where his last hits don't occur at the same time that his opponent's last hits occur, mm-hmm. meaning that he'll last hit. And he goes, like, full attack speed, basically, so he can auto-attack faster. So his last hit, he'll last hit, and then when the enemy AD carry is then going for the, to last hit their minion, he's getting an auto-attack off. And he keeps doing this. He keeps trading with you. So while you're wasting one auto-attack to farm, he's done two auto-attacks to farm and to harass you out in, and deal damage to you and, and start pushing you out of lane. Um, it's really kind of crazy, given how aggressive he is, that he's only died once. Mm. He has one death in four games. And I, I think I remember in, when he played for SK, it was, like, similar, where he went, like, four, four to, like, six games without dying, and he was putting up these crazy numbers. He has 20 kills. The next highest AD carry is Ven, who has 19, but he also has 10 deaths. Mm. Like, that's, that's the difference. He's getting 20 kills, but he's dying once. And he's also has a uh, – he, he's, he's – you know, kind of middle of the road where it comes to a CS difference at 10, but he's averaging 9 CS a minute. He's averaging 661 damage a minute while doing 40% of his team's damage. And he's dying once. His positioning in team fights is just phenomenal. 
it is another level when it comes to him. First of all, I would like to point out two things. One, I really appreciate that you took a question about Yankos and Oduamne and turned <laughs> it into a rant about Forgiven. You just you're, – you're like, look, man, there's one person I want to talk about today and we're doing it. And that's, that's fine. I'm following your lead. Uh, the second thing I should point out uh, for people who are interested, he played 16 games for Gambit last split, got 33 kills. Uh, he's already at 20 after four games. Yep. This is when this is what it looks like when Forgiven gives a crap. That's where we are right now. Uh, and when he has jungle pressure, and when he right. has when the team is playing around him, and when he was playing on Gambit last year, the team was playing around Tablet Shard, not Forgiven. Right, and and you know there are some pros and cons to that. And one of the things I, I do want to touch on about this fanatic loss before we move on and talk about the other two teams today, uh, are you at all concerned with? some of the shot calling decisions that came in that fanatic game, because, you know, while I do feel like forgiven obviously had a very good game, even in that loss, uh, Yankos did look a little bit off to me in terms of where he was at times. Oduwamne, it felt like kept starting fights that he didn't want to start. And especially that last fight just never seems like it should have happened. It was a weird kind of engage where they went for a fight that, they had very little chance of winning and wasn't going to, you know, it felt like they alled in before they were really ready to as a unit. Are you concerned by that side of things at all? Or do you I, think that the talent is just so monumental right now that it doesn't matter? I am. I am, I am slightly worried about it. It does show some inconsistencies, but I think part of that comes from they're getting used to playing with each other. Uh, Yankos is getting used to playing with Kabashard and Ryu and I'm not quite sure who is exactly in charge of their in charge of their shot calling. It could be Yankos. It could be uh, Yankos and Vander would make the most sense. Uh, but H2K is about to go into like a really kind of weak schedule, and it, it's what Riot did to they wanted to make the early weeks all really good teams. So H2K is going to play Vitality, which is surprisingly turned out to be a pretty good team, but they play a really, really slow early game that's very reactionary that I think H2K can take advantage of, especially in terms of farming and getting Ryu and, and Forgiven far ahead. And I think that Oduwamne will play intelligently enough to not uh, not surrender a lot of kills to Cabochard. He may surrender a bunch of farm, but I think that the, the team is smart enough that they can play around letting Cabochard farm up. And then they have... Rocket, they have Splice, they have Elements. <laughs> like their next real challenge after Vitality is week five against G2 Esports on, on the Friday that week. So they get to go into kind of a soft part of the schedule where they can work on these sort of shot calling things and, and building the synergy between uh, Yankos and, and Oduwamne and Ryu, which is the big part. But I don't think you can even consider any of those lesser teams a challenge to them when when Forgiven is on point and when he's playing as well as he's playing. Oduwamne and Ryu are both playing very kind of utility around it. Like, they are going all in on this. Let's let For- Forgiven carry. Let's make sure we're protecting him. Let's make sure we're peeling for him and and go from there. And their first real problem will happen if when there is a bot lane that can match Forgiven, and I just don't think there's a bot lane in Europe that can match Forgiven and Vander. Yeah, I think that's entirely reasonable, especially like you said, when you look at what they have to do next. The schedule should, in theory, get a bit easier. And at the very least, they'll be playing teams with less proven bot lanes that you would imagine 
they can get some experience with. But really for me, I'm hoping to see their macro game get more and more experience. I like what they're doing on a, you know, on a mechanical level. I think Forgiven is undoubtedly really talented. I actually think I want to give quick props to Ryu, who I feel like is kind of, again, the unsung hero of this team. That's constantly how they refer to him uh, over and over. He is the most underrated player that we actually acknowledge as underrated so often. He's probably properly rated at this point. But I do feel <laughs> like his Lissandra in that game against G2 was worth mentioning. I mean, this is, you know, G2 got the counter. They knew exactly what their plan was. They wanted that Zed into Lissandra. And Ryu just wiped the floor with him like he was nothing. And he looked so good that entire game. Every engage they wanted was on point. So on a mechanical level, certainly, I am very, very excited about what H2K is doing. I still would love to see some slightly better rotation play. I would like to see them not fall into a hole early as often as they have. But these are fixable problems, and that's why we have a whole season to work on it. Uh, Meanwhile, Vitality. Uh, You mentioned earlier that they have been surprisingly good this early. And this week, they came away with two wins. So we've got to be feeling pretty good about Vitality, right? Yeah, I guess. They're (laughs) they're three and one. I'm sorry. I just hate hate them for that splice game. I absolutely (laughs) hate them for that splice game. I I will admit to the people at home, I kind of set Walter up for this because I know how he feels about this splice game. I'm just going to let you take the floor, Walter. Talk to us about that splice game and why you hated it so much. I mean... It, it was it was a well executed ball python stranglehold on splice, which was the snake, which is kind of funny. So a, a snake basically strangled out another snake is what happened, <laughs> and they just they just kind of started applying pressure and just just very slowly, very slowly, we're waiting for splice to realize that you know wait maybe we're close like we could win this game we could win this game and then one team fight and they snapped splice's neck and the game was over and vitality had a nice big belly yeah i hated it <laughs> it should not take you nearly 20 minutes to get a first blood against splice sorry it shouldn't they are just not that good of a team and i get they won on day day 2 against uh against rockcap but they hadn't shown anything in week 1 to prove that they deserve that much respect Vitality was acting like they were playing against SKT, for God's sakes. You don't have to play that safe. You don't. Uh, yeah. You don't. And honestly, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where in the NFL we'd call this a prevent defense, right? This whole idea of we're going to play so safe that you cannot take advantage of the big play that you need. And, and you're exactly right. Why, why does a team with top lane graves need 40 minutes to win against Splice? That, that shouldn't happen. That's the team was literally built the same way that we saw G2 build to play against elements in week one. That was so much fun to watch, which is let's take this super aggressive style. Let's gank early and often. Let's just, you know, overpower them because we are better than them and we'll take the victory home. And instead of doing that, they played very slowly and just took their time. And it's not that that's, necessarily bad because they had won the pick ban phase well enough that it likely wasn't going to matter. But at the same time, when you do that bend and don't break, what you do is you keep the door open. You allow teams to potentially come back 
and take advantage of your problems. And I don't know if this was maybe an overreaction to their loss against Rockat in week one, where Rockat just got this early push on them with airwalks and you know forced them to the side, and they're just saying, like, we're not taking a loss like that again. We're not letting someone catch us off guard early like that again. But you've got to play with some more confidence if you're Vitality. And honestly, I don't know if I feel any better about them after the Origin game. I mean... Walter, this was a game in which they took an early invade first blood within the first minute of the game onto their AD carry and lost the bot lane for the vast majority of it. What happened here in this in this eventual victory that really didn't feel like one? So the big thing that happened in the bot lane was that there was an undocumented bug on Kindred, which basically mm. when she procs the E, um, if she's getting the third auto attack, if while while she has the second, when she hits the third auto attack, if uh if your allies are also doing damage, it like amplifies the damage. Mm-hmm. And basically Zven mis- had this bug happen, got a kill, like blew blew someone up, got a kill, and just was able to pressure and continue pushing and clear waves and rotate around the map and was just able to exert his will because he got ahead. And that's why Kindred has now been banned, because they didn't realize that this was a bug. Vitality didn't realize it was a bug, and thank god they won in the end. But that was that was what everybody was going, like, man, wow, Kindred did a ton of damage right there. Like, is that a bug? Is that a bug? Why aren't they remaking? And everybody just didn't think it was a bug. And then Riot afterwards looked at it, realized it was a bug, and banned Kindred for, for North America and uh, for the foreseeable future, which they said that the bug is actually fixed on patch 6.3 for the regular servers and that they are going to try and rush that patch, rush that fix onto the tournament realm as quickly as they can. So Kindred might still be banned for a week. We don't know. They haven't said anything about it yet, but Zven is really good. Uh, so I can't really fault Sharnan and Kossing for having problems against Zven and Mithy. Zven is proving that he's the second best AD carry in Europe behind Forgiven right now. Um, Charnon really isn't a great laner. He's a really good kind of cleanup AD carry, and that's where he's been extremely successful in team fights is allowing Shook and and Nuke Duck to set up team fights and allowing them to control them while he I I love using this phrase, but skirts around the edges and just picks up, you know, does damage where he can and picks up kills where he can. But he's not this like super aggressive uh, laning AD carry. He's not this amazing, like, I'm going to solo carry team fights by myself. Um, you know, he, he's just not that kind of player. He's very kind of cleanup centric and he's trying not to die. And he's trying to just be a very safe AD carry while he's dealing damage. His, his DPN is, is nothing to like write home about. He's actually seventh in damage per minute. Uh, he's seventh in total team damage. Like they really rely on Cabo shard, to be their primary damage dealer mm-hmm. while they use Shook and Nuke Duck and, and Kossing as control in team fights and allow Cabo Shard to deal damage. And then Hjarnan kind of sits at the edge and picks off kills where he can and keeps the, you know, the tanks and the, uh, the divers busy essentially. Yeah. And this was my biggest problem with vitality, especially in that game is, well, well, I guess, first of all, I, I should say, when it comes to the Kindred bug, speaking of things that Riot could prioritize, wh- why do we have refs on stage if not to pause the game and look into things that look suspicious like that? Like, isn't that exactly the oh, purpose okay. of a referee? Okay, 
So to be fair, referees, they cannot pause the game. The players need to pause and request it to be investigated and then request a remake. So if the Vitality players didn't think that it looked weird enough, the refs have, can't do anything about it. But so I'm actually we know that's not there. true from the World Championships, where they had different rules and they did stop a bug, even though CLG didn't realize it, to make sure that they had proper vision understanding. That- so we've seen them do it. That, but that's not something that the players can see. The players can't see that that ward is there. So I'll give them a pass on that one. I'll give them a pass on this because it's the team's responsibility to stop it. Like straight up, it is, it is Vitality's responsibility to pause the game and go, that looks weird. I just, I'll, I'll put it like this. It's, a, it's the equivalent of asking someone to call their own fouls in a game of street basketball. No one's actually going to call that. Of course you can't. How are you going to prove it? And if you do, you just look like a jerk for forcing a whole giant break and throwing your team <laughs> off their tempo and everything else. No player is ever going to call for that bug fix unless it is so overwhelmingly obvious that it's worth all of the pot- potential momentum you lose. That's why we have unbiased third parties making that call. And it should have cost them the game. The only reason they ended up winning is because Sven, I'm, and I'm going to beat myself here, up royally. By going up to top lane for no value after that fight near the Baron Pit and left the rest of his team to a 4v4, they couldn't win. If Sven yeah. doesn't screw that up, Origin wins this game easily. And this is one of those things where I don't think after, you know, we're in season six now. Maybe Riot has a referee that knows how to handle these kinds of situations. Maybe, maybe it's about time we reexamined whether or not. We should be playing like it's some pickup basketball game or whether we actually want to have, you know, a rule book with ways of, of dealing with these kinds of problems. You know, the kinds of problems that we're seeing happen all the time because it's a computer game. I, I, I'm just shocked, honestly, at this point that this is an issue we still have to worry about because the, the idea of leaving players to, to ban their own stuff is – it's ridiculous. It's it to me. It's a very silly idea, but whatever. It's the so, way. Right. So I, I have I have a question for you. Oh, absolutely. Because I I really I I wonder what you think. Who do you think, out of all non supports, deals the lowest percentage of damage for their team? Out of all non supports, yeah, uh, it's on vitality. Well, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I just gave it away, but yeah, it's on vitality. Nuketuck, shook, shook. Really? Shook does nine percent of his team's damage. Well, he that does explains a lot of my problems. With Shook. <laughs> he does less damage than Kassen. God, Shook, man. I in this <laughs> comes to our second at least damage dealt with nine percent. Kassen does ten point two percent. The second lowest jungler is Gilius at fifteen point two. Let, he does let's be clear. Of his team's Shook is terrible. And this is the other problem I have with Vitality, right? Uh, Shook just continuously engages beyond his grasp on that Lee Sin. Uh, it's something that we've seen him time and again try to force play. He has a 91 even- kill participation. 91%. He leads the league in kill participation. He's the only, but that's because he is trying to make so many plays. Eventually, some of them are going to work. Just by the nature of the other teams are cleaning, you know, the other players on his team are cleaning up for him. But it's all utility, and he ends up killing himself as often as he's getting kills on the other end. Yeah. I mean, look, there's some plays that he had that were very nice. You know, Shook had one really nice play against Origin where he picks off the Syndra of Power of Evil and kicks him back into the team, and the whole team swallows him up, and it's great. 
Uh, but for every time we saw him do that, there were two or three times where he has to spend a flash to get the same value, or he's out of position because he's you know he's gone too far on that matchup. Or he tried to go up against Sven at some point, and Sven just destroyed him. And I'm not even talking about the time with the bug. I'm saying after that, uh, it's an issue. I don't think that he's particularly good, especially when you look at you know what it did for that team. They left Cabochard on that Graves top with no support, which is the worst thing you can do to a Graves top. And as I said, they probably should have lost this game against Origin. They're very lucky that the bug didn't come back to haunt them. They're even more lucky that Sven went top for no reason after that fight, let Vitality get back into this game, and then it took one big play uh, at the 31st minute uh, near that Baron pit for Vitality to come out with the game. But... I, I mean, at the end of the day, do you feel great about Vitality at this point? Just stay on the Shook point because this makes it a better overall point. Shook has the lowest farm, the lowest damage per minute, uh, and the second lowest percentage of gold share for his team of all junglers. He also has the highest death percentage of all junglers. And mm. so, so de- death percentage and gold percentage are based off of their team. So he average he is twenty nine percent of Vitality's deaths, while only taking up seventeen point three percent of their gold. He's not farming very well. He is really trying to have all this aggressive early game, trying to get all these ganks off. He's just not very efficient, and that's going to bite them in the butt when teams realize that he roams around the map and leaves things up. When you have a guy who can. A guy like Diamond Prox, cry, 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 <laughs> or Yankos, or Trick, who can go into the enemy jungle, who can invade, who can take all these camps, who can take advantage of all this stuff. He's really sacrificing a lot in terms of his gold to just provide this utility for his team, these engages. Uh, he has a 91% kill participation, despite being so bad at all these other things. So he's really setting his team up well. But if he's not setting, his, if he's not able to get the utility. If he's forced onto something like a Graves, like a Nidalee, if he's not allowed to play play Lee Sin or Elise or these kinds of champions that allow him to to ward up to gr- get crowd control in team fights to help control team fights like that, I really worry about how successful this team is going to be. Because when you're going to go to relying on him for damage as opposed to utility, where else are you going to get that utility? Nuke Duck is already pretty much utility based for the team. Kossing, obviously, is utility-based. So that means you have to go to either Sharnin or Cabo Shard, and we already know that Cabo Shard is not good when he's not playing split-push carry-style top laners. If you right. move him onto a tank or, or a Lissandra or something, he's just not very good, as we saw when he played Kennen against Rockat. So it's just very worrying that they kind of sit on this knife-point edge where t- if teams get intelligent enough to take the utility away from Shook, what is left? What is he going to do? And I just don't think at this point in his career he can do anything to help this team outside of the utility. Which is so funny because historically with Shook, it's been more aggressive junglers where he's excelled. Um, that, that, you know, the Nidalee is something that he used to be known for. Uh, I, I think that it says a lot about where he is at this point in his career that people like you and I don't have faith in that kind of play style anymore from him. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how Vitality does kind of adjust to this. You know, they have some easier games going forward. I don't think that Gilius is going to put a ton of pressure on him. Trick, we we will see. 
I don't think that Koo or Batong Jock, whichever one they throw out there, uh, is going to be the answer for Giants. So, so there is a chance that Shook goes unchallenged for a few games, and it's you know, and Vitality is able to get away with it. But on the other hand, if you're a you know, you're looking at the playoffs right here. I don't think Vitality is as good as they look. I don't think their record and their even their strength of victory. I don't think it says as much about them as people might be willing to give them credit for on first glance. They're, they're going to have they're going to have a lot of problems when teams come at them in the early game. I think that's what it what it comes down to yeah. is that if a team gets in their face in the early game, makes them try and challenge them on dragons, makes them you know makes Vitality fight in the early game. I think that's a huge huge issue for them. They really need this like slow scaling, you know, safe reactionary play style, and I don't think that that's sustainable over you know an entire nine week season and playoffs. Yeah, no, I think that's very fair. Uh, speaking of things I don't think are particularly sustainable, uh, Elements is three and one. Gilius? Uh, no. Gilius? <laughs> no. I'm Gilius? Not, I'm not doing that. Gilius? Uh, there are two guys that are worth. Actually, I mean, they gave two guys credit this week, but they're not the two guys I was going to pick, so we'll give three. We've got Steve, Mr. Rollas, and Spraddle that are desperately trying. Gilius? I'm just messing with you. Oh, you are, and it's working. <laughs> but Elements is this kind of interesting spot right now. They are tied for first in the EULCS. They have managed to take three wins, which is three more than we thought they were going to have at this point in the season when we were going through our original power ranking. So, Walter, I'll ask you, what part of Elements has surprised you the most so far this split? I, I'm surprised they won three games. That's I, I. The entire thing surprises me, actually. Other than Rawls, because we know what kind of what kind of a player Rawls is. Um, maybe their kill participations. They're all above seventy percent kill participation, which I don't think there's any other team that can that can even remotely come close to that. Mm-hmm. I, I actually don't think that there is any team in the European LCS that can say that. And it speaks a lot to how they try to win games. They're like the only team other than H2K that can say that all their players, and, and Vitality, they can say all their players are about 70% uh, kill participation. But how they really do it is that they give up the early game. They give up early game pressure on objectives and in order to find like this sort of rubber band position where they can they can snowball the game from there. They're really giving up first towers. Dragons, they're going about even. Um, they're controlling dragons at 64%, because, but they're giving up for, uh, they're only 44% of their jungle camps. So they're giving up a lot of control over the jungle early on, but they're going and they're finding these tower dives or these early mid-game team fights, winning them somehow through through shot calling through just sheer force of will through playing against worse opponents magic i i don't quite know but they're winning these fights and then they're 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 rubber banding them into the mid game and just basically playing this you know we're going to choke 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 you out and the only time that this didn't really work in their favor was obviously the loss to G2 because G2 just ran rampant over them in the early game. But Rockat was also running rampant over them in the early game until it got to one or two team fights where Elements was just able to beat them team fighting. And I think that's one of the things that Elements as a team in general has missed. 
since their formation with Froggen. They aren't very they weren't very good team fighting teams. So instead they're sacrificing early game pressure and laning pressure in order to have this really solid consistent team fight phase where even if they're down in terms of experience, in terms of a little bit of gold, they realize that they can maneuver around these team fights uh, and 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 win them. And it's kind of been phenomenal. Mr. Rawls is one of the best cleanup 80 carries in Europe in I mean, the course of his career. He was uh, the MVP this week with an 8.33 KDA on the Callista, which he got to play both times. I, I will say this. You talk about this team being an excellent team fighting team, and you talk about how high the kill participation numbers are. I'm going to throw out a counter argument, which is maybe none of them are really good at the early game. Like there aren't a lot of early kills for these guys. Mm-hmm. You don't see Steve solo killing people. Ika nope. is certainly not solo killing anybody. No, uh, Mister Rales is still a uh, you know a much more late game oriented guy. So it's I, and also you look at the team fights. You know how are they winning games? Well. Who did they beat? Giants, the worst team in the league right mm-hmm. now. Yes. Uh, Splice, a team that looked absolutely lost in terms of team fighting, you know, you know what to do and where to be. And Rocket, who I've never said the phrase, what the hell are they thinking, more mm-hmm. often in a game <laughs> than I did when watching Rocket just continually throw away their lead over elements. I mean, it was, you know, that game to me was much more about Airwalks, Freddy122, and Edward continuing to try to make plays over and over and over again, regardless of whether the state of the game said that that was a good idea or whether the rest of the team was following them. None of that matter. They're just, they're going in all the time trying to pick these fights. It's very one note and a team like elements. I mean, yes, they are smart enough to not fall for that. And they're smart enough to play a more reactionary game and take advantage of that kind of aggression. But let's be clear that's also on Rocket for making those kinds of terrible engages, and it's also on Rocket for putting Saphir on an Ezreal that did absolutely nothing for them as far as damage was concerned, and basically giving Elements a ton of time to pick advantage of these poor engages because Rocket didn't have anything going for him. I mean, it, I'll say this, Walter. In what way do you think Elements has been challenged in, in the sense that they've been able to kind of step up and and prove something that would that would make us feel confident in some longer term oh, success. Oh, they haven't. Okay, they haven't. That's, just they've played. They've played. You know, three of the worst teams in the in the LCS, and the the only difference is that they won those games when we thought they were going to lose them, and we thought this was going to be the worst team in the LCS. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve and 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 Spraddle have improved from where they were last year. Uh, Gilius is. Kind of like Shook, where if you let him play some utility, he can make some plays. Granted, I've never seen, out of those two junglers, I've never seen so many insects have to be done with Flash instead of a Wardock. <laughs> I actually I, have I, in my notes. I, uh, I have in my notes. I still have no idea what Gillies is doing half the time. <laughs> I, lo- I wrote that sentence down. How can they plan for you if you don't know what you're doing? <laughs> and... and I, and Rawls just kind of fits in perfectly with with the team because he's not supposed to be this super super hard carry, but he just kind of again flits around team fights, cleans up. He plays a really good corky, and if you take forgiven out of the mix of eighty carries and you only look at nine eighty carries, he's a top three eighty carry in Europe at the moment. Mm-hmm. Granted, his competition isn't great, but he's still making it work. 
And I think the first time that we see them play against some real competition, which is which is basically this week, but I don't think this week is as challenging as uh, as the following week where they have to play against Vitality and H2K uh, in week four. In week three, they play against a, a Diamond Proxless Unicorns of Love, and they play against Origin, who we still have no clue what the hell is going on with that team. And that's uh, the amazing thing, right, is that there's a universe in which Elements is 5-1, and one, and we're still trying to insist to people, but they're not actually any good, though. And I don't know what to say at this point. Like, they got really lucky that they're playing a Unicorns without Diamond. Um, I have a feeling that Origin will take care of business, mostly because I'm not as high on Mr. Rellas as you. I'm not sure I put him in my top five in Europe. Uh, I'm not saying he is. Statistically, he is a top, th- he is a top five AD carry in Europe. Statistically. statistically. I can't argue that. That's I can't fine. argue that. He's statistically top five. But I, and the guys that he's been playing against are not top five. But that's, and that's really what it comes down to. Um, Audra actually is. Audra is top five? Top, statistically, Audra is what? a top five AD carry in Europe. How, are we, def- how are we defining that? It, so I'm going, I'm going from, from our friend Tim Sevenhusen's Oracle's Elixir. If you uh-huh. take all the, all the categories and you rank all the – like you give them a rank. So in KDA, Forgiven has a 36 KDA. He's rank one. <laughs> Mr. Rawls has a 7.6. He's rank two. And if you take that and if you add all of that up and then divide it out, Rawls and Andre are both top 580 carries in Europe, across See, the board statistically. My only problem with that is that, A, we're looking at a four-game sample size, and B, I feel like some of those stats need to be weighted differently than others. Um, that's, I, I would be very interested in that, uh, in that spreadsheet. It, is a very, I, I, it does go to show that guys like Audrey, who I do believe have been making a good impact despite what the rest of that Giants team looks like right now, you can make it work. And I do believe Mr. Rawls has taken a step up. I believe Steve's done a very good job. I think Spraddle's okay. Steve uh, is still a terrible laner, though. Yeah, but He's that's still a terrible, terrible laner statistically. But that's fine as long as you put him on Tom Kench because you don't have to be good to be a t- good Tom Kench. Like, you just yeah. have to play Tom Kench. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm still not sold on Gilius. I'm still not sold on Ika. And Spraddleite still feels about 50 50. It's yeah. basically, did Spraddle get Alistar? If yes, awesome. If no, eh. Does he have to hit a skill shot? Yeah, exactly. Is but, he Promise Q or Spraddle? Yeah, and, you know, look, at, at the end of the day, uh, Elements is 3-1. and one. That's three more wins than we thought they were going to have at this point in the season. They are a, what, what was essentially a challenger team that has thrown together a lot of things, and they have two to three pieces, depending on how high you are on Spraddle, that are genuinely worth getting excited about. That's that's enough. Sometimes, sometimes you yeah, have to take that as, agree. A, uh, as a victory, and it'll be very interesting to see how they do this week. So let's start talking about it, Walter. Let's get into some gambling lines. Let us do it. I am up three to one in our guess the lines challenge so far. You finally got a win uh, in North America last week. Uh, we are four and two on our smart money bets for Europe. If you put a hundred dollars on every bet that we told you to make. So far in Europe, you would have a $342 profit. Free money, folks. Free money right here. That's $342 you could have right now if you just followed all of our bets. And we're even better in North America. We'll get to that later on. For only the low, low price of investing $600. (laughs) Hey, you you, you made it back. You didn't lose any money at any time while following. No, no, no. Initially investing $600 on us, (laughs) if you would have done it, you'd have $932. 42. But 42. Hey, 942. Anyway, 
it has been uh, it has been a fun time with our smart money bets. But it's time to talk about this week's line. So we start with Giants versus Splice, the heavyweight matchup that we're all very excited about. Yes, yeah, I I cannot wait to watch this game. It's it's God, yeah. <laughs> Can we skip this one? Like, do we have to? I'm not split. Splice minus 180. Okay, I get this one. Okay, by one point. So I Are apologize you in advance. Me? I said minus 150. It's minus 164. I I'm not as high on Spl- what. What have we seen from Splice that makes me think they should be favored that much over anybody? They won a game. They won a game. Yeah, they won I, a game, and they, you know, in you know, to be honest with you, like I've been waiting for the Senkux just says screw this and hard carries game for a while. Like it was a matter of time, and and watching yep. that back as a Rocket fan, I'm like, well, we don't have an answer to Senkux. Okay, I probably should have known that going into the season, but it, it wasn't any more fun to watch. But I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Splice as a team has shown enough yet that I would put them that much favored over anybody. And Giants. Am I wrong to think the Giants is the best 0-4 team we've seen in Europe? Like, there's yeah. genuine talent on that team. The, the problem with Giants, and we'll we'll talk about it next week, I guess, yeah. um, ne- ne- in the next two weeks, is just Pe- Pepe has fallen off so hard statistically. Yeah. He's just not playing very good at all. And He's when not. you have that, and when you have the worst jungler in, in, in Europe in Coup, and you have the worst top laner in Europe, mm-hmm. it's really hard for that bot lane to carry when they're basically dragging three corpses around with them well see this is, is not playing well this is where batong jock comes into play they're gonna be fine oh yeah the That's... guy who couldn't get lolex lulex to give up his spot on h2k last year yeah yep <laughs> yep batong jock right there they're going to the playoffs now man giants fans have got to be ecstatic this is this is their dream scenario right here i'm so sorry guys I, <laughs> there there are some people who genuinely thought giants were making it back to the playoffs this split and then for those people i apologize for the last two weeks uh, yeah. Origin versus Rockhat. One of these teams is good, and it's not my team. So where do you think the line is on this game? I have Origin minus 175. Okay, you went way too low. I said minus 320. It's minus 303. I'm, I haven't seen anything from Origin that makes me feel any better. We have terrible SOAS still, and Amazing's taken a step back, and Power of Evil, everyone... Power of Evil is not an upgrade, no matter what you say. <laughs> I will it is s- not an upgrade. I will say it is worrying that with Power of Evil, you know, he actually did get to play the two champions that you would think are like the most Power of Evil champions. We saw Cassiopeia and we saw uh, Syndra. Syndra. Um, and it was just not, uh, not ideal. Uh, I don't. I don't know what else you do at this point. Um, at some point, you have to just accept that you know that this is a team that needs some adjustments in terms of how you play the game-to-game strategy side of things. But amazing looks lost. Soaz just doesn't look all the way there, and all of that is fair. And then you realize that they're playing Rockhead, and none of this matters. Because Edward was the only guy who had any shot calling on that team that was half decent, and he's gone now. Like, are you? Or do you feel great about Airwalks being your shot caller? Do you want Betsy to be the guy? I mean, I like Betsy as a player, but not as a. I I'm concerned. We will say I have concerns oh, about Rocket. I'd, I'd be I'd be very concerned, but I. 
Origin has just as many concerns, honestly. We we can come back to Rock at plus two twenty yeah. if you're really interested. No, 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 no. I don't think they're winning this game. Oh, okay. I just think that this line <laughs> is just a little too high. Okay. Considering that Orion has not shown us anything other than that they can capitalize on one mistake from Unicorns of Love. They they haven't shown really anything, in my opinion. It's it's really rough. I I will say there's a worse line involving Orihen later, so we'll get there. Uh, G2 versus Fnatic. Uh, G2 eager to prove that they can win a game against a team that's legitimately good. Fnatic eager to prove that they're actually you know a team with an identity that we are able to pin down week after week. I have no idea what to expect from Fnatic at this point. What do you think the gamblers expect from Fnatic at this point? Fnatic minus 145. Okay, I get this one as well. Uh, I said minus 220. It is minus 238. There's no love for G2. That is... Uh, huh. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, that that's what I'm marking down. That one will probably be coming back to. Yeah, that's plus 175. I don't think we can blame G2 for losing to an H2K team that's really, really good. Like, I don't know why we're holding that against them, but we're not holding against Fnatic the fact that on a game-to-game basis they look like an entirely different team. That's weird God-given. But, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think God-given's playing for Fnatic this week, so G2 might be all right. We'll see. No, not even close. Yeah, Unicorns of Love versus Elements. Obviously, uh, we talked about Elements earlier. Unicorns of Love, uh, sadly, without their, their greatest diamond. Where do you think the line is on this, Walter? Uh, I still have it at Unicorns of Love minus 190. Okay, you get this one. I, I said minus 170. I went too low. I thought they were going to overreact to the whole diamond thing. Okay. It is uh, minus 238. And this is probably another one that we might want to come back and look at. Yeah, elements plus 175, man. The three-in-one elements. Against the three-in-one unicorns of love. That don't have diamond, though. And I do that think don't that don't have a jungler. <laughs> They haven't announced who their jungler is going to be yet. So, Hank, one of them, I believe it was, uh, was Steelback who tweeted out, "I just wish we knew who our jungler was because we have no idea." And like and when someone Jock is off the board, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the worst part, right? It's like, is Baton Jock available? What do you mean he's not available? I, I, honestly, the the name that we've heard is Lolex. Oh God, he he would be their best option, honestly, at this point. But while we keep talking, I'm going to go see if I can't see their, uh, their roster and figure it out. There is, I will tell, I can save you some time. There is no jungler on the Unicorns of Love roster right now. They that will is, have to sign somebody. Is, that is fantastic. It's, they the literally. Horo. They have Horo. I don't think Horo's actually still on the roster or even still in Europe. Uh, he's, he's on the official LOL esports roster. So maybe we get to see Horo. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would, I would genuinely no. love to see that. I, I'm just going to put it this way. If Horo was a legitimate answer, I feel like someone from Unicorns of Love would have said this by now. It does feel Very like true. they're scrambling. Very true. But we will see. Uh, H2K versus Vitality. Possibly game of the week. Yes, that is game of the week. <laughs> okay, you, you took a second. You were like, I'm not sure double, I want to go did, with Chase I had to double check journey. the schedule again. Uh, yeah, this is probably game of the week. Uh, I have H2K minus 180. Okay, you get this one. Almost Woo. exactly, too. Uh, I said minus 150. It's minus 179. Nice. So you, you nailed that one. I I think that's a very fair line. 
I, I will say, I, I do think it's odd that we front-loaded the schedule for Europe so much. I mean, Fnatic's already played H2K, Orihan, Vitality, and the Unicorns of Love. Uh, Vitality has already played Fnatic, Orihan. I guess Splice and Rockat aren't as exciting. Yeah, but this um, is the the last like this is the last like top big four matchup. Yeah. I think it's 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 just weird that we have uh we've gotten so many of those out of the way. Uh, and by the way, expect us to remind you of this when Fnatic and Orihan start surging back up the standings over the next couple weeks. Uh, second day, Origin versus Elements. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! One of these teams has been looking really good recently, uh, despite playing an inferior level of talent. One of these teams has been looking not so good recently, uh, despite playing a high level of talent. Uh, so, Walter, where do you think the line is on this game? I have the line Origin minus 200. Okay, you get this one as well. Woo-hoo. I went too low. I said minus 170. I'm just, I, I just said to myself, why is a 1-3 in three team? <laughs> going to be favored minus 200 over a 3-1 and one team. I, I don't know, but it's minus 263. I don't feel good about cha- about that because I changed my prediction on that uh, right before you called me. That's, I looked at it, I was like, I've got this way too low. I got to be honest with you. I had a couple of them that I changed at the very last minute. That's just how it goes. Sometimes you yeah. just get that sense. It's like, nah, it should be a little higher. Um, and sometimes you win and sometimes you don't. And then I forgot to change my rock out one too. <laughs> that was the weird part is like, I, I saw the origin elements, but I was like, no, ele- no, that's too close. And then forgot about rock out versus origin. So. It's, uh, it's such a shame. I, I honestly, I think elements plus plus one ninety five has got to be one of our three smart money bets. Cause elements has proven something and yeah. origin has proven that they can throw a game at any time. We'll, we'll we'll have to look at it. Honestly. Yeah, we've got four more left. Uh, Vitality versus Giants. What do you think the line is here? Uh, Vitality minus two fifty, and I know it's too low. Oh God, you're gonna make me do some calculations. Okay, I get this one. We, okay. we were I I was too high. Uh, I said minus four hundred. It is minus three thirty three. So you were eighty three off, and I was sixty seven off. I had to do some real maths there for a second. Quick maths. I, uh, Interesting. I think it says That's a lot fair. that neither of us thought. Like we were both off by at least sixty points, and I don't think we do that very often nowadays. Yeah, not really, not uh, really. But I, I don't know. I feel like that's uh, it's giving Giants too much credit. What have we seen from Giants that says they should be able to keep up with Vitality? Why couldn't Vitality just stranglehold them the way they stranglehold? Th- this is more, I think, Vitality. They're, they're just hedging their bets. They don't want to make odds too ridiculous and have like the one person win a bunch of money. It was funny. I was listening to to our homage and Bill Simmons and Cousin Sal <laughs> complain about the conference championships. And Cousin Sal was saying that he was talking to a bookie and that the, the odds were minus three Patriots. Mm-hmm. And they were getting hammered like all week buy the like by pay, patriots money mm-hmm. and he's like yeah we're getting hammered and, and sal asked him like why don't you just change it to minus three and a half and they're like oh because all the smart betters will start gambling on denver yeah and he said like on saturday they changed it to minus three and a half and they were getting hammered up until game time with denver money so they lost out either way but yeah well it was just the- kind of funny but yeah that's like the same thing here is i think that they're they're hedging their bets because giants has shown close they, they've shown that they can hang around for a little while, and they just don't want to have that 
chance where a team might might you know catch someone off guard. I know? understand. I, I get where you're coming from. I'm going to provide a counter argument here for a second. Okay. Cabochard versus Adam. Oh yeah, I I know it's absolutely <laughs> that's that's my entire counter argument. You okay. you take with that what you will. But 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 but, but. Shook versus Batong Jacques. I'm still okay. <laughs> I haven't changed my mind to be honest with you. <laughs> I appreciate the attempt. I appreciate it. However, we're gonna move on. Uh, Unicorns of Love versus G2 Esports. G2 minus 200. Oh, thank God you screwed. I mean, I I was going to get this one anyway, honestly, because I got it almost exactly. Okay. I said Unicorns of Love minus 130. It is minus 132 for the Unicorns of Love. What? You're getting even odds for G2 right now. Oh, that's... That's That's a smart money bet that we could just write down now. Yeah. That's that's perfect. I I don't know how much they're taking the diamond thing into account. Uh, I hope they are. Because otherwise, I think there's a lot of money to be made for G2 here. All, all, all in on G2 right now. All in on that line before they change it. I mean, honestly, you're getting even odds picking against a team that has said the phrase, well, maybe we can find Lulex and that will solve our problems. That's all you need to know. I don't, I don't oh, know what else God, I need to know about awful. this game. That's awful. Put that's G- awful. Put it out on G2. Uh, two more left. We've got... Uh, Two picks to go. I am up by two, so you need to get both of these. Yep. Fnatic versus Splice. Where are you going? Fnatic minus 300. See, we split this one, so I win the week. Because I also said Fnatic minus, uh, minus 300. It is minus 370. Okay, that's fair. So, so I go up in our Guest Alliance Challenge 4-1. to one. I may not have Zoro Zero as my background much longer if I keep this up. But there's still plenty of time. I'm sure North America swings by your way uh, tomorrow uh, in real oh, time. Yeah. So I'm sure you'll, you'll find your way back. But let's just do this last one real quick. Rockat versus H2K. What do you think this one is? H2K minus 350. Okay, you get this one. Okay. Uh, I said minus 400. It is minus 370. Same line as the, uh, as the previous one. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, both of those seem fair. So what are our other smart money bets? We've got G2 over Unicorns of Love. I think that's fair. I think Elements plus 175 over Unicorns of Love is also fair. Nope, that's fair. I just think we, we say anytime uh, Lulex is a, is a positive for a team, uh, betting hard against them that week is probably a good plan. Uh, I mean, we can't we can't confirm that Lulex is on their team. They don't well, know who they're juggling. Well, that's, what, that's their best case scenario, though. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like they're not getting like if Horo isn't ready to go already, and let's put it this way: with all the visa issues we're seeing, are we sure that Horo is ready to go? Uh, is he that get a ninety Koreans can get a ninety day visa in the whatever Shen Shen Shenzhen Shen region? Yeah, Shen it, region. but you'd still think that would take time, and I really do feel like they would have announced it if it was available. And even if True. it wasn't available, do I feel great about a Horo led Unicorns of Love when so much of that team has been on diamond shot calling? Probably not. No. Probably so, not. one more game left that we need to pick. Can, can I interest you in a Giants plus 125 over Splice? That was kind of where I'm looking because I don't know how... I don't want to double bet on Elements. I don't. Yeah, I just feel like Origin's going to come away with two victories this week. It does feel like one of those Soaz is going to be really mad because people have been spending a week doubting him on Twitter and Power of Evil wants to prove that he belongs here, or maybe even X-Peke comes in for one of these games. 
mm-hmm. just because he can. I would be hard pressed to see them losing both games, and I don't want to know which one. Uh, I, that's not where I want to be. Uh, the only other thing I can think of, I, so G2 I mean, over Fnatic is the only one I'd, I'd consider. Yeah, that's plus one seventy five. I think I feel better about Giants over Splice. Yeah, I would too. Let's just get yeah, Giants, Giants plus one twenty five over Splice. I I don't think there's anything that Splice has shown us that makes us uh, so that we should fear them in any way. And yeah. Giants has got to win a game eventually. Like X Pepe has to do something eventually. Audrey has been playing too well. Godfrey's been playing pretty well. Like at some point, you'd think they pull off a victory here. But at some point, we'll see if it's this week. We'll see if those smart money bets come through. They've been coming through for us recently. So hopefully you guys have taken that advice in the past. And hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, we have wrapped up here. We will come back in two days to discuss the North American side of things. So you should definitely keep posted on soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts where you can get all of our episodes, uh, check out all the past things, including some interviews we've done with people that we think you guys will really enjoy, uh, such as the one we did last week with Pyrotechnics and Soldra, uh, if you like those kinds of things. You can also get all of our podcasts on iTunes if you search Esports Rough Drafts. So you should totally do that. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. I am at RedShirtKing. Walter, where can they find you and your content? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL and at medium.com backslash slingshot esports. Perfect. And come back in two days where we will go over some of our favorite things that have happened in the North American scene and break down three more teams for you guys, do some more gambling lights, all that fun stuff. And until then, goodbye, Internet.